They say good things come to those who wait. We made you wait one extra day, but we are back with another episode of Dynasty Theory. We are gearing up for the the next month, really focusing on rookies. I know it pains Dan because he loves talking about those old guys, but, you know, it's time to transition here. Dan, what's up, buddy? It was time, JB. I'm I'm ready to go into rookie mode. You know, start with running backs, which I used to coach and love. I got the Zeke jersey on tonight as a tribute. And, uh, you know, fresh from a weekend trip to New York City where I didn't even know JB's family was probably right across the street from me. Yeah, my mom and sister were out there. They had a good time. Uh, I wasn't invited, but, you know, what can you do? All right, Mitch, what's up? How are you guys doing? It's running back night. It is. Well, it's a little, but I before we do this, I had a whole spiel I was going to say on last night's show. Then I forgot about it till just now. But I want to make sure anyone who knows who's especially in the Patreon already or is thinking about joining the Patreon, if you sign up for the year long version of the Patreon, we are also going to do. We used when we very first started the Patreon, we had a specific tier to where we would do. Every month we will review one of your teams. And it ended up we had so many people sign up, we didn't have any time. And there was just too much going on. So what we're going to do is if you sign up for a year, we're going to give you a free written version of that. So anybody who signs up, whether it's now or three months from now or six months from now, but they sign up for the year version of the Patreon, then you get everything you always get included. But then we're just going to throw in a team strategy review. You'll just give us the team that you like. Tell us the build path that you're trying for. And all three of us will do what we can to help you get there. I mean, we'll do who who's picked to trade for, potential trade partners, kind of what we think of the overall league, whether your strategy is going or not. But I'm just saying we're just going to throw that in because just trying to give back to people. You know, it's what we do. And it's cheaper to go, to go for the it whole is. year. That's the nice thing, too. All right, so we got running backs tonight, guys. Next week, Mitch, you're going to be unavailable. Sure. Dan and I are going to focus on quarterbacks. Uh, In two weeks, we're going to jam wide receivers and tight ends in there together. It's going to be a seven-hour-long extravaganza, probably. (laughs) We're going to do a couple-round mock draft the week after. That will be the 200th episode, right? It will. We're in episode 197. Yeah, that works out perfectly. And then Tuesday of... The NFL draft that week, we will not be doing a show because that Thursday and Friday, we do a watch party in the Patreon. You know, anybody that wants to jump in that's in the Patreon, we got audio, we got video. Uh, Me and some guys in there last year, the first night I was on till about 2 or 3 a.m. Let's just say uh, the next day was very rough, but it was a great time. Anyway, let's not waste any more time, guys. Running backs. Dan used to coach the position. How does this year's class stack up against previous classes? Yeah, love the show notes. A good question to kick off with, JB. Um, You know, when you you pose that question, I looked back to the previous two classes. I've been saving uh, my notes, you know, some of our mock drafts, whatnot from past years. So looking at a three-year trend for me, and I'm sure you go even deeper, I would say in some ways it's similar having some marquee prospects with some additional talent, but probably a little bit deeper and players worth drafting. And of course the best prospects then Saquon Barkley, you know, so I think there's a lot of comps and comparables of, of what options we have at the running back position from the last two years, but just with a little bit more meat on the bone. 
Yeah, and it kind of stands out this year because of the way the wide receiver position is viewed. And in recent years, just how extraordinary the wide receivers have been when you go back and look. We've been very spoiled mm-hmm. as dynasty managers. And we all know the way the uh, the running back landscape has been going. So that gives this year's class a real chance to inject youth and higher-end value into the running back position. Mitch, what are your thoughts here overall on the class? I mean, we've been talking about this class for how long now? Mm -hmm. And while this week's episode is obviously dedicated strictly to the running backs coming into the league here in 23, we've been touching on this periodically. We constantly in the Discord, on weekly episodes of the Pivot Point on the Patreon, another uh, benefit you get there. So this isn't just like, oh, we're a month out. Let's start talking about it. Let's start really focusing on it. I've been in the sheets for I couldn't tell you how long. I'm all tucked in in those spreadsheets. I don't want to come out. It's that great. Honestly, I usually get more hyped the closer to the draft gets. The closer that we get to the draft this year, I worry a little bit about this running back class. And it's not, I love Bijan. I think Gibbs is awesome. A chain's good. Um, my worry is with how we've seen the NFL free agency go for running backs this year. I mean, no one's getting a lot of money. They're not going to great teams. The teams that are spending for them aren't spending a lot of money on them. So I really worry. I mean, you have a question later in the show, like, how many day two backs do we see? And I'm hoping it's two. You know, that's kind of what I'm worried about is we have, this is a very deep class, but what happens if it ends up being mostly fourth round picks, mostly fifth round picks, then is it really deep or do we just need to change how we look at running backs fourth round and later in drafts now? I didn't realize Debbie Downer was joining the show tonight, Dan. <laughs> Holy cow. We just talk about how jacked up and excited we are to get on here and talk about this. And then Mitch says, you might get a couple seventh rounders, maybe some UDFA. <laughs> you might get three be- or four of them. I mean, beyond that's how that, you know, so uh, before I turn it over to, to Dan on, on some thoughts overall there, uh, it, this kind of really does go into – these first two questions are kind of similar, right? And Mitch, you talked about it. So this running back class, we have obviously Bijan Robinson, and I don't have anything centered around him tonight. There's no reason to get into him, all right? Unless you're out there spewing hot takes, well, he's overrated for this reason. I mean, everybody can agree the type of prospect that he is, so we're not going to waste anybody's time talking about that. Uh, But with this class beyond that, I I went from saying and looking historically at recent classes, you get seven to eight typically, seven to eight running backs where you get maybe one sprinkled in for first round draft capital, and then you get the remaining guys going in day on day two and in the second and third round. And then of course you get a ton of guys uh going on day three. My thought going into this offseason was, okay, even with the strong free agent class, even with the depth of this rookie class, we're going to see six to eight guys go between round one and round three, okay? And that and, and that's the money spot, really, especially first and second round. 
Uh, you go back to 2017, I think that was Hunt, Camara. That's really the class that bolsters that third-round hit rate, right? So when I'm going through my sheets, I'm going through all my numbers and data uh, and analytics, uh, I have a pre- and post-draft score. And the post-draft score is kind of uh, an expectation. You know, there's a lot of good resources out there kind of aggregating data and and looking at where these guys have these players slated as of today. So it's kind of like my thought on them as well as the overall uh, expectation for these guys. So where are they going to go? Maybe we do only see five, maybe. I think three is kind of crazy talk. I, I And if it is three, don't talk to me because uh, my phone's going to be turned off. The discord's going to be muted. I'm going to be, I'm going to be pretty upset, but because of the depth of this class, because of the way free agency turned out and obviously free agency is kind of, it's still going on, but Mitch, you hit the nail on the head. Look at the guys that either they took an extremely low pay in terms of, especially comparing to the other positions or they're still not signed. Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt. Is that because these guys want too much? Is that because these teams are waiting to see how the NFL draft plays out? Because, hey, why am I going to go spend this on Zeke? No offense, Dan. I know you got the jersey on. When I can go get, maybe it's the running back 10 this year at the end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth round, but that running back very well could have been a third round pick in prior years. So this year more than any is really going to, it's going to be a good case study for, we have this, this strong depth in this class. How does it impact the draft capital? And is there any tinkering that needs to be made? You know how I feel about fourth round running backs. Well, maybe this is the year that we need to adjust a little bit and take that into account. Whew. Mitch, did you get a word count on JB? Listen, I'm not sure. It's been we, 10 minutes, and me and you have talked for at least 20 seconds apiece. So yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't go last night. I told you before we jumped on the air how my day went. I'm just excited to talk football, guys. You, you are primed, sir. You are primed. I knew you would go back and give some past comps even beyond the three years trends. Um, you know, if I just go in order of – kind of a little bit how, more how this class stacks up to the others. And I want to touch on Mitch's point on free agents as, you, as you've, you've, you've deemed him Debbie Downer. I will touch on that, JB. Bum, bum. You go back to 2021, we had Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne, I think, ended up being the big three. And, there were, and then there was the rest, you know, Stevenson. There were some other good plays. Um, last year, we had the Brees Hall. We had... Um, Kenneth Walker, James Cook, and then there was the rest. Again, some good picks. So I think this year, you know, you got the megastar Bijan, which is better than all of them. You got Gibbs, and I, I don't think the number three is as solid as the other years, or at least maybe not as defined, or we, we could have some argument, and I know we're going to get into other guys and, and tiers. Um, but then I just think there's a lot of more intriguing guys and more depth that's going to carry on. When you get to the free agent market, 
I don't know if I'd call Mitch Debbie Downer. I always enjoy Mitch's different perspective. Like when I could, you know, rope him into a little bit of DFS or, you know, we're talking dynasty and he just always has that unique perspective that gets you to think a different way because you asked about this free agent class and the depth of the rookie class, JB, in the show notes. And I look at it from, and I'm glad to think of it like Mitch is because it's, again, I want to challenge our thoughts. One thing we always do for our listeners is we're not telling you what to do. We're giving you different perspectives and form your own and, and take this information. But there are more options to build depth and or rebuild the RB position on your rosters. While I just believe our fantasy community has to be careful how the roles will be impacted by it. You know, how are roles going to change with all these free agent choices, rookies coming in, there's going to get some backfields that are going to become more crowded. I think we just got to really zero in and determine, hey, what are their roles going to be in 2023 based on this influx of running backs and options and, and players yet not signed, as you mentioned. And how many, just from a prime landing spot standpoint, how many committees are we seeing? And we talk about that all the time, more and more committees. So we look at the guys, veterans, rookies, even free agents that haven't signed yet. You look at them and you say, well, their situation really isn't ideal because they're only getting this percentage of the running back opportunities, whether it's carries or it's targets. Well, you could look across the board and say that's about 80% of the backfields. So one example, because we talk about him a lot in the Discord whenever people are, are dropping their trade questions, but like a Javante Williams, let, let's say he comes back, and let's say they even go after somebody uh, late day two, early day three, and they look to, to mix that player in. Well, yeah, Javante is not going to be the workhorse that some might like, but is his situation again, assuming everything goes well with the injury. So let's ignore that for the time being, but is his situation really going to be far worse than maybe a Zach Charbonnet coming in and he gets put in a committee somewhere. And that's not a knock on Charbonnet. Just the first name that I, I looked at down here, a uh, Jameer Gibbs. We talk about maybe he needs to be in a very specific situation to really excel a Devin, a chain, you know, Mitch, I know you like him a lot, but I think there's certainly uh, concerns overall on his size. Can he hold up? Is he going to be utilized in a way that really maximizes his production? So really, I, I just think it's the way the NFL is really shaping up. And it's it's getting more and more this way. And it's been happening over the last several years. But a lot of it is because of the influx in talent. You know, we see that at the running back position, but then you look at the quarterback position and you see some of these names of the guys that are playing and it's just, you have the haves and have nots in that regard. Whereas running back, it's just so much solid depth. And I really think that translates well to this draft class, particularly, uh, especially when we start rolling through the names. And there's a lot of intriguing guys here for one reason or another. And Dan's going to talk about the way they looked on the film, JB. And I'm going to talk about, well, they did this, th that, and the other from an analytics perspective. And Mitch is going to be here saying you're both wrong. They're not even getting drafted. They might be in the CFL. We really don't know at this point. All right. So anything else there, Dan? I think that's what we got to determine. And I don't know if where you're going next in the show notes. I think you touched on, you know, how, how many day two backs are we going to see? I put my over under at eight. Now, again, that, I look at that. There's a lot of variables that they could shift either way. But I think it's more importantly to determine who's going to go round two and three. 
and who's going to go at the top of round four. We've had a lot of interesting conversation over recent years of that beginning of round four. And maybe to Mitch's point with a deeper draft, does it carry a little bit more value if they go mid fourth or late fourth, um, you know, compared to years past, but we need to figure this out as if you're getting draft capital trading for it or trading it before draft day, how much could we determine and predict? It's why I love this draft. It's, we don't have the dominant wide receiver, right? But we have one that we like in JSN. We don't have the great quarterback, but we have four good ones and one that has all of the talent in the world to be great. And then we have the running backs. We have Bijan, who's amazing. We have Gibbs, who is going to be highly drafted. Without a doubt, he's going to be end of first, early second for sure. And then we have a glut of guys that could go anywhere between there to round five and choosing and picking who you're going to do it pre-draft. I think this is the hardest year that I've had since we've started doing the show on far as which running backs I absolutely love pre-draft and which ones I'm going to be really excited for where they land, you know, during the draft on the teams, how we could see them going through the projections right now, as it stands, I have four absolute, stone cold JB locks of the week, if you will, that are going to at least get day two capital. Okay. All right. But then I have two others that I, I believe it's a better chance than not that they go in day three. So that's six. Mm -hmm. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys that I could see between the first pick in the fourth round and top half of the, the fifth. But that kind of goes into, so 10 out of 45 picks. I could see, I could see. That's a lot of running backs. That's a lot of running backs. That's a lot of backfield. It's a lot of, it, yeah, but you're going to get guys drafted. No, without like, a doubt. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that's a lot of backfields impacted right now too. If we do see that many. Yeah, I might not be lacking a lot of my dynasty teams. <laughs> but this is where no. Mitch, Mitch disagrees, as you predicted, JB, because a lot of these guys are going to be free agents, you know, or seventh round picks or six. I mean, we, we got to separate them. I'm only pretty so sure many I could name you the four that John thinks are locks. Yeah, this is going to right. get so interesting. We're, so we're saying day two. So Bijan's out of it, right? Well, day one or two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Bijan, so, obviously. Bijan, Gibbs, A Chain, and Charbonnet. And, and I, I don't, think, I, I don't think it's spicy at all. I don't. When you say day one, I think there's only two backs with a chance. You know, Gibbs, I think, is a tweener. Day one, day two, I, I really believe it, you know Bijan's a lock day one. But then now it, it comes day two. Day two, we're looking at rounds two, three, and four. Just two, two and three. three. Just two okay, three. so if you're looking at just you two can, and you can three, tell when when Dan joins the draft parties with us. He's only focused on his Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His oh, turn down blasting. the TV. <laughs> his TV's blasting. He's a, a good minute ahead of me, certainly, uh, where, on the broadcast, and I have to yell at him constantly. But, yeah, Dan, it's only round two and three. I'm going to be really creative this year, too, because my, my 12-year-old boy, for the first time, is looking forward to the NFL draft. Oh, so cool. he, he's going to nice. be, be getting involved, and we'll, we'll groom a future uh, dynasty player here. You know, so days, so rounds two and three. Let's take Gibbs out of it. 
Charbonnet, A Chain, like right. Andre Miller, Ty J Spears, Rashawn Johnson, Tank Bisbee. And then I got a few maybes. See, I actually think there's a better chance. And th- this isn't because I like him more, because I, I, quite frankly, I don't. But I think there's a better chance that Zach Evans slips into the end of day two compared to my man, Sean Tucker. And it's just so disappointing. And then we've talked about Tank Bigsby a little bit. He's he's one as well, and Kendra Miller, that could be that late day two, early day three. Um, I think it's a better chance they go day three, so beginning of round four. And now you have the the pro day darling, Izzy Abanacanda. He's rising, apparently, uh, and rising because his vertical was 700 inches. Uh, and then, you know, Chase Brown. But I I, I think it's going to be, and Mitch, you kind of mentioned this. If you had a rookie draft prior to the NFL draft this mm-hmm. year, I would be looking to do a few things because, you know, I like to minimize risk a little bit, you know, you know, as much as possible in a game that is nothing but risk. I would either look to move out of a lot of picks for players that I believe are are being valued below where they should be. So I'm higher than market or I would play a little more conservative approach and, you know, maybe over a certain running back go somebody like a Marvin Mims or a Cedric Tillman that I, I'd be surprised if they don't go day two. You know, so we don't want to get into the other positions tonight, but it's going to it's very interesting because I know a lot of people, they have rookie drafts or they have startups with rookies included where they are uh, taking place before the NFL draft. And you're going to see leagues where, you know, we saw startups last year uh, with Malik Willis going beginning of the third round in startups. Yep. Uh, So. Uh, Salazar says, who's this year's Rashad White, JB? I mean, whoever I can get on the show for a one-on-one interview. I told him on the show he was going third round, and he didn't like that. Well, where do you go? Third round. You spit facts. <laughs> That's what you do. Third round. Um, okay. We talk about day two. Uh, is it fair to say after Bijan, Bijan Mustard, mm-hmm. is it? No. Please don't ever do that again. Bijan Mustard? Yeah. No. <laughs> Let's not what? make that a thing, please. It's it's too easy, though. Uh, is Dan, do you have any thoughts? Because, I, Mitch, you have Gibbs in that second tier then. Yeah, Gibbs by himself in another huge tier until the next person. Is, are you shaping up the same way, Dan? Yeah. That was in my show notes here. Jameer Gibbs and then tier three. Now, can I ask you guys, is there a concern overall with Jameer Gibbs with the way he was utilized in the, the running game or lack thereof? But then does he need that spot that we feel comfortable? Uh, use your pit ties to get Izzy on the show. Not after I've been <laughs> blasting him in the discord. Come on, Greg. Uh, or... Um, we, you know, we need a backfield where they're going to utilize a running back in the passing game. Yeah, I, is there I cla- a concern? I'm going to say no. I just I classify him as a weapon. You know, there's like you know players, and then there's weapons, and just hands, quick feet, JP, fluid hips on the field. He's just different. 
He's a specimen. He passes the eye test. You know, when you're a coach and a, and a player gets off the bus and you just look at him and, and you just tell they're like different types of human beings, that's him. So, Is that what you thought about me when you saw me and Canton for the first time in person? <laughs> you were a different kind of weapon, JB. You know, you came in there, you know, the, the hair looked all slick and fancy and got to see you run the, you know, the 40 and the sprints. You, you're a different breed, man, you know? You know, there's some there's some places to where I would worry. Like, let's say he goes to the Chargers behind Eckler. He goes to the Giant. Saints and Kamara is still there, right? I mean, it's it would have to be a very select place that he goes to where there's already a back that can do the pass catching stuff to where I'd worry. Besides that, I'm open to him going anywhere in the league. I think a team is going to use early enough draft capital. They will work him in the best way that they can. And the guy's just a game breaker. I mean, you put him on the field, coaches are going to say, hey, this guy could go out and win us a ball game. And sadly enough, outside of Bijan, I don't know how many of those kind of running backs are in this draft. And normally we only get one or two anyways. So I I mean, I love Gibbs. For me, he's locked in right after the quarterbacks in the super flex drafts. And I'm, I'm, that's not going to change unless he ends up somehow going like, late third round which is just pretty much impossible at this point agreed all right so it, it consensus then again I'm, I'm just going through and asking the questions and making mm-hmm. sure uh you know providing as much context as we can and as i always say playing a little devil's advocate along the way but all three of us sitting there with obviously Bijan and the jameer gibbs in that second tier this is where it really starts to get interesting and the way Things are shaping up for me, not just running back specifically, but I have 101. I have a very, you know, decent size gap between 101 and the next tier, a decent size gap between 104 and 105, and then a really big gap there between 108 and 109. And then there's really no huge tier breaks along the way. And that's it ties into the depth that we talked about. We have the high end talent. Uh, we have the guys that uh, certainly I think right now, most people are looking at the big three wide receivers, but then things really open up. So Mitch today, mm-hmm. you're, you're looking at running back three. Who do you, who do you like right now? If I'm taking it today, it's Devin A. Chain. Just because I know that teams are going to use him. Look, if you like Gibbs and you like the role that teams will find for Gibbs, you kind of have to feel the same about A-Chain. A-Chain is amazing on the field. If you're in any league with kick returns, same thing. He's going to give you that much more there. He's he's a guy who's going to get 10 touches a game. And like I brought up on our guest spot, John, that we did with the FF Dynasty. FF Dynasty. With the FF Dynasty guys. I knew you were blanking. I just blanked. I looked at you. I was like, help me, help me. But but, but really, really quick. I, I was just going to say, uh, just, real quick, just real quick. No, 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 really quick. People really quick. are going to say 10 touches is not enough. That's what Swift got last year. Just saying. No, I was just going to give a plug. Not that they need it because they do fantastic work over there on the FF Dynasty YouTube channel and their podcast feed. But uh, I'm in their Patreon there and ours. A lot of nice cross collaboration. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're bouncing ideas off of each other, but check those guys out. They do a lot of great work over there. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, analytically speaking, oh, A-Chain actually, A-Chain, he comes in towards the top. Yeah. He checks a lot of the boxes 
almost all of the boxes, and he checks it at a higher level, Dan, than Jameer Gibbs. But when I'm going through this, most of it is threshold-based. But you get a guy coming in in A-chain, running a 4-3-2, popping off the curves. I, I'm surprised that, that that speed alone doesn't get Dan excited over there. I like his speed, I, and I did. I like his film. I'm not just you know disagreeing with Mitch and, and that he's a, a back that's on my radar. He's just a little bit light in the you know what to me at 188 pounds, and I just think it's gonna factor in there. He's he, he was the guy I put on my list, JB. That's actually lost some luster throughout the offseason for me because there was a point where I was kind of hyped on him, and as I just did a little bit more studying, I just think he's a smaller back that. Uh, you know, yeah, 10 touches, Mitch might get some fantasy production. He's going to have some wild plays, but I, I think there's, I think that ceiling's not as high as we think it is. So I'm, I'm, Mitch just nodding. I'm not, see, I'm not drafting him for a ceiling. And the reason why I have him as my running back three right now is because I don't love anybody else. I mean, we could, we're going to talk about Zach Charbonnet next probably. Right. And Zach Charbonnet is someone that I did not like back in January, but he's been getting hype. And getting more hype. And the more people that you talk to, even on the NFL side, they're talking about him as well. So the teams obviously love him. But he's someone when, I mean, Dan, I'm sure you watched the tape. I watched all 22 of him. And I, I don't think he does anything special, right? And I know A-Chain can at least do some things that are special. Which are, maybe he goes to a great spot. Maybe he's Damian Pierce. You don't have to be special if you're getting the ball 200 times. But, like, I'm just worried that we're propping up a guy like Charbonnet because, like, he kind of fits the mold, right? And then we're skipping over a guy like A-Chain because, yeah, he weighs 170 pounds. But I think he's going to end up going in the second round, in my opinion. So right now, you know, uh, was he 5'9", a buck 88, mm-hmm. as Dan would say, a little light in the behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> higher, a higher BMI. Then LaShawn McCoy, Christian McCaffrey, Jamal Charles, uh, Chris Johnson, Larry Johnson. You know, of course I'm going through and just naming. That Larry Johnson is surprising because I thought he would be a lot higher. Just, you know, trying to remember him. But, you know, obviously I'm not saying Devin A or uh, uh, yeah, A-Chain. Better than Christian McCaffrey. You said it. I heard it. Listen, (laughs) but I'm not going to go through and say, you know, his BMI is actually higher than Isaiah Peds, which is true. True. But nobody cares. It, it, listen, so all I'm saying is it's it's not like he's coming in at 5'11", 188, 6 feet, 188. He's a little more compact, right? I'm, just, I'm a little worried he becomes Isaiah, Isaiah Pede. So I, I'm just, I guess I'm just tempering <laughs> expectations with the A-chain train, you know, that we're, we're excited yeah. about. Um, but to Mitch's point, too, I, I think going back where we said, hey, there was tier one, there was tier two. And then compared to the previous two years, that number three just isn't as clear. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a, a great point, Mitch, because, you know, my number three is Charbonnet, but I'm not I don't have that conviction I had with my number three any of the previous two years, because there's some other guys that are intriguing below my number three. I could 
I think we can sit here and have a conversation and we are going to, to a degree with some other backs. Um, but I, I wouldn't throw the challenge flag, you know, really on, on, on who that number three is. Charbonnet, I see is having a special burst, you know, just really being a playmaker. I liked his instincts on film and he had the size. He does look like that prototype back. I just feel like he's a fit for the national football league. It's interesting because you, you think about like a Devin a chain and then you think about like, you know, uh, Chase Brown, right? Who is one inch taller, but he's got 21 pounds on him. And you're like, okay, a player like Chase Brown really fits, you know, the, the rushing side of it. Like he, he's built more like what we think of when we, especially old school running backs, but they're both sitting there at 65% of the, the rushing college dominator. So Devin A. Chain has been used and he's been effective. And not to mention the the high-end ceiling, Mitch, you said you're not really after him for the ceiling, but the high-end ceiling, I want my backs to catch passes and Devin A. Chain does that. Yep. And he is explosive in that regard. And that speed, you know, you mentioned that Jameer Gibbs is a weapon. I think we need to talk about Devin A. Chain in that same breath. I'm a little curious why A-Chain, with all that speed and ability, passed on the university in Georgia and Alabama to go to Texas A&M. I'm a little curious. I just want to uh, say. I just, have you watched uh, a lot of Texas A&M games and their sidelines? I mean, I could understand it personally. No. Playing time, but playing time shouldn't matter if you're great. Um, I'm suspect, gentlemen. I'm suspect. but John's reading something. I'm not sure what it is. No, I'm not. I'm just trying like. And Chase Brown is interesting, JB. You know, I wonder, you know, if he was on a team better than Illinois. I mean, they, they, they definitely utilize them. He follows his blockers. He grinds it out. Um, size, speed combo, physical runner. He's a very patient runner. I think he had to be a patient runner. And I like watching a patient runner when you go to the National Football League because sometimes part of that learning curve is you're too impatient and you're not following the blocks. And so he's a guy that might adapt to the NFL, you know, quickly. So, Dan, who are you looking at at your running back three right now? I'm Charbonnet. You're yeah, he, he's number three on my list. And I, Mitch, I agree with what you said. There's a lot of agreement here, but I, I think it's it's great dialogue because you are getting different perspectives, just like you said earlier, Dan. But with Zach Charbonnet, he does a lot of things really well. He's not extraordinary at really anything, and the what he did at UCLA the last two years transferring for him was the best case scenario. And actually when I'm going through and obviously I'm, I, I don't want, I don't want to call it a model, but tinkering with my threshold scoring uh, Zach Charbonnet, if he would have come out last year, I I had him fairly low. And honestly, I'm sure it, it's, it's very beneficial for him staying the extra year, making a few extra bucks when he gets uh he comes out in the NFL draft and goes earlier than he would have last year. But I think it has to make him feel pretty good that he's risen in my rankings. Oh, without I a doubt. Yeah. I think that needs to be first and foremost, his top uh, achievement and he should feel pretty good. But that, like you said, Dan, he does a lot of things really well. He can be involved in the passing game. Uh, four, five, three, a little slower than people wanted, but still at his size, he's certainly checking the box from the, the speed score perspective gives you a, a decent receiving college dominator uh, on the lower side of the, the decent range. 
but part of that's because he never had a receiving touchdown in his collegiate career. Yeah. But when, I look, when we look at the speed, we know there's a lot of good running backs that run four or fives. Like you get away with that. I think there's a difference between game speed and, and running that 40, especially at the running back position. And you mentioned, you know, he does a lot of things well. And I think with all these running backs that we're looking at, what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, we see where different analysts have them ranked, where they think of them. So I try to say, hey, who's got a good track record and, you know, has some little connections to the NFL. And when you're drafting a running back, we're looking for fantasy points and playing time. Who's not going to come off the field? Who does the most things for their NFL teams? You know, so, hey, if they could run good, awesome. But a lot of guys could run good. Not a lot of guys can necessarily pass block, catch the ball, you know, not have to come off the field. You know, you're crafting a game plan. It's like, hey, I like this running back, but there's three things he can't do. And that's where their draft capital now becomes fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. And it, and it hurts us. And that's an indicator. So I think with Charbonnet, I'm trying to identify a guy too, that could do a lot of things that he's not going to have to come off the field. And a coach could say, Hey, we could plan it. We could work with this guy and he's going to have a solid fantasy role. Mitch, who's been one of your biggest risers here throughout the off season. It could be just because of the, the, your evaluation process. Maybe you, you got on a certain player later than you would have liked combine pro day results, interviews, additional reports, whatever the case may be, who's risen for you. You guys are going to laugh because John is going to hate this dude. But, like, I love Chris Rodriguez. I just love him. I I, I know he caught, like, five total balls in college or something like that. But as far as just, like, watching him play, like, when I was watching Will Levis, like, you see Rodriguez. And, like, you just watch it. You're like, I could see him be a good back. Honestly, in the NFL, I would be shocked if he gets drafted before the fourth round. But the dude just, granted, not a lot of backs caught the ball for the Kentucky offense, but he didn't catch any. So I know that's not going to hit on any analytical level, but just watching him and it might be, you know, I might've made a couple, you know, parlay bets last season. He might have <laughs> won them for me. So he has a special place in my heart, but as far as guys that like, you're not hearing the name of a lot, I think I'll end up with a lot of Chris Rodriguez on my team unless he ends up being like a sixth, seventh round kind of guy. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Dan, on Mr. Rodriguez? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like JB uh, a few weeks ago putting, a, you know, another runner back on my radar. You know, you, I forget the, the super fast dude. Was it Keaton Mitchell, JB? I think the one week I was like, all right. You know, he, he wasn't quite on my radar in the context of the notes and the conversation we were looking at. Chris Rodriguez wasn't in that conversation for me. I'm watching a little a little bit of highlights right now, Mitch. You know, here, 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 <laughs> love here it, from Tucky to see how I pass, but I'll definitely look at him a little bit more. Not a guy that was on my radar horizon, uh, but hey, I like that Mitch is bringing up a name that maybe you know we're not thinking about because, guys, you know I trade a lot of my draft capital away, and there's going to be some leagues where I'm only going to be able to get a Chris Rodriguez. True. So, yeah, give, give me some deep sleepers. No, I actually I don't mind him. He was extremely efficient compared. I talk about the. Uh, rushing our market share over rush attempt market share, extremely efficient when compared to his counterparts there in Kentucky. Uh, you know, so that that's one thing that certainly stands out to me. But again, we just talk about the size and, and he has that size. Mm -hmm. uh, he's certainly a little lower for me uh, because of the involvement in the passing game. But, um, you know, 
I, I think he he's an interesting one there, and we're going to get into guys that we'll, we would take in the second, third, fourth round of these rookie drafts. Rodriguez isn't one that I, I would scoff at by any means. Uh, Where you at with age with him, JB? He's 23, 23, I don't know how many months. You know, that's another piece, too, for some of these running backs. You know, sometimes a little nicer when you're a little bit younger. I got well, it. Type he got has that. to be 23. Yeah, He's 22. Definitely 20. He's sure? 22. 22. September 26, 2000. So he's going to be 23? Yeah, he's yeah. going to be 22. Yeah. So, so when I that's look at it, like, just, just to, you know, keep everything level set, what's their draft age? When they're drafted? Yeah. How old are they? Um, but he will be in his age 23 season. So, I mean, but again, at that price point and with his, you know, I'm I'm scrolling through here, but did they do it? Did they have their pro day yet? They did. Yeah. He ran a four, five, two. Okay. So the placeholder I have was four, five, five. His his film looks like a four, five, two compared to like a Macintosh who I was disappointed with in Georgia with his four, six, two or whatever it was, but he looks quicker on film, you know, whatever it is, Um, you know, and I'd, I'd be worried about Rodriguez is where he gets drafted. Oh, without a doubt. If he gets drafted. He's going to be a fifth, sixth, seventh round guy. Yep. It's going to be a a dart throw, somebody that you're not even, not even on your radar until the end of the draft. Dan, who's, who's kind of risen for you here? I know it's not going to be a chain because you said he's kind of not dropped necessarily for you, but lost a little bit of his luster. Hmm. I want to give you, I guess, a different name now. Because for me, it was like A-Chain lost some luster. Charbonnet was the one that was the biggest riser, but I already talked about him. You know, so he's kind of grown for me, uh, just just watching him a little bit more and liking him more. Um, let, me go to my, let me go to the notes here. Getting get the, the sheets that JB refers to here. Getting the sheets. Ah, man. Riser. Getting the sheets. I think a riser, a guy whose film I'm intrigued about, I was sure that Dan was going to say Spears. I was convinced that would be like his guy that he would be on. He's up there and and I can talk about him because he was, I think one of our members in the chat here wanted to hear about him. And Spears is on the list of guys I would target in the second round, you know, at least today, you know, pre-draft, you know, kind of, kind of projecting there out of Tulane. He was a good, tough runner that I thought was very dangerous in space. Uh, he he definitely intrigued me. So Spears is in that conversation where, you know, before I was really higher on A-Chain. I remember talking to Mitch. He was, you know, brought, he was talking about Sean Tucker way back. And I, I do like Sean Tucker, and I know we'll get into him. But as far as rising and where I would draft him, not, uh, you know, he he's he's risen up the ranks there after Charbonnet for me. I, I'm a little upset. And as, as I want to tell you why, I want to explain something. So, Mitch, when you brought up Chris Rodriguez, uh-huh. you could tell I was kind of uh, bumbling a little bit. And I was like, eh, 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 because I'm going through and I'm looking at his receiving college dominator. I'm like, oh, what? That, that's high. And uh, I knew it was high. That's why I didn't say it. Yeah. I, I, I it looks like I had a typo. That would make sense because I'm like, I know we only had five catches this year. And I'm I, like, had, I know John won't love that. No. And but but I, I knew it was off and that's why I was just, uh, uh, blah, blah, or, uh, or, uh. uh, but yeah, still. So he's going to be a little bit lower for me actually, because he's certainly not going to check that box, but I, 
I'm looking you. at him like <laughs> I'm looking at him like I I know that's not right. Uh, anyway, uh, Tajay Spears, Pete in the chat, always appreciate Pete. I see you in the tears, buddy. You're in the tears more than I mean. You're in there right now. I see a little picture on the Google sheet. Uh, but talk to me about Tajay Tajay Spears. He has been one of the risers for me. And I put out a tweet. I think it was about Spears, kind of being a smart ass, but also. Uh, based on where certain things were were going from the pre-draft score, I was like, Tajay Spears is probably going to be a little bit closer to Justice Hill than you would like. You know, that's my attempt to be a little spicy on Twitter. Uh, and it was but, seen by three people. I, I know, I know. Yeah. Thank you, Elon. But then going through and and you know finalizing everything in the sheets, as long as I don't have any typo, uh, he he pops off. He he really does. So he's been one of my biggest risers and somebody that I think gets into that late day too. Yeah. I, I'm between Tajay Spears and, and, and Kendra Miller of TCU. He's another one I thought just saw explosive big play ability on film instinct, stiff arm. Um, you know, I think TCU missed him in that bowl game desperately versus Georgia. Wish they had him there. Yeah, I think he had an injury there. Uh, but he looked really good on film too. That I see is another. Day he's two so guy. young too. I mean, he's twenty now. I think he turns twenty-one in June or July. I mean, he's a super young dude. Good enough where Zach Evans transferred. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, thrown off here a little bit. You're good. I just. Uh, <laughs> I just... Oh my god. Uh, so Spears a, a riser for me. Look at the running back position. Faller. Uh, for me, and, and yep. I see and me. JT, I, I I see for JT's everybody. comment. JT, tell me Sean Tucker is going to be okay. I can't. First of all, <laughs> like I, he, analytically speaking, I obviously I'm not going into too many details when I'm going through all this here on the show, but uh, it, it's in the the Patreon in the sheet with everything color coded and all that good stuff, but. Like, there's so much to like about him from he checks this box. He does that for a track star. Uh, you know, I know he did his little video, ran a four, three, three. I still think I genuinely think he's, he's sub four, four. So maybe the four, three, three is a little fabrication, but the fact that he wasn't cleared mm-hmm. for the combine that that kind of flew under the radar and I didn't and like that. ran his own little pro day thing on the side that like he got videotaped. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Something it's a little strange there for me, but again, I, even though I have him, uh, very highly valued. And when we started this process, really January, I, I was looking at him and I'm like, okay, this is a guy that I'm, I'm going to be targeting in, 108 109 110 yep. range we did a mock with those guys over at ff dynasty and i just took him at 210 or 211 whatever it was and there is going to be that concern and it's going to be cleared up that final piece of the puzzle is going to be draft capital but uh the big thing for sean tucker you could look at it is a lot of people will just look at their their yards per carry and it is not flashy by any means for sean tucker but it's one of those situations where uh, you know, with Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby, you have an offensive line, you have a team around you that is struggling. So you really can't compare them 
to these guys in certain offenses, Mm -hmm. in certain systems with strong offensive line play because they don't have that. I don't want to sit there and make an excuse. A lot of the conversation came out about Cam Akers when he was coming out, right? So, you know, you can only compare him to what is around him. And I think for the most part, he did what he could, uh, obviously heavily involved in the passing game. We know the speed, but all this other stuff, Mitch, it's weird. And it, uh, go ahead, Dad. I was like, hopefully it gets sorted out for us, Mitch. You know, again, you, you like the guy, JB, I think was on board agreeing, saying where he saw him going. You know, uh, I have him right there with Charbonnet as that type of just prototype. And he looks like an NFL running back. And, uh, you know, I would take him after the today after Chardonnay, Kanjay Miller, Tajay Spears. But hopefully the NFL teams do their homework and he gets drafted in a good spot. Where it's like, whew, okay, I'm relieved now. And then he can get right back in that conversation again. Yeah, like then- if I was in a cave and I was just watching tape, right? And I didn't pay attention to anything else that's happened. He would easily be running back three, running back four for me at worst right now. But, you know, we have to listen to the stuff that comes out and there's, something going on there to where you know i hope the dude is extremely healthy he gets drafted the second round we all fall in love with him but right now i couldn't tell one of our listeners to go out and draft him anywhere above like a third round pick in a rookie draft i think next year we third round come on not you took him at 210 i mean we're a little bit so far off from a third rounder there right well because 207 skipped over him, 208, 209, 205. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm certainly snagging him. I can't wait for him to be in the fourth round, and you're going to be like, what? 100% what I meant was. <laughs> I got him in the third round. That's where I would take him right now in the third round, but potential to go up to that second round. You know, we'll see what happens. But I think, JB, you got to pull some strings. You got to get us to Indianapolis next year. And, you know, we, we need to talk to these agents and these players and do some interviews. We, you know, we need some of the insight that maybe, you know, it's taking us a little longer to get right now. Um, you know, we need to know what's going on with Sean Tucker. Maybe instead of Canton, it's more of an Indianapolis, Indianapolis in February thing. I could see that. I, I could, like it. It has potential. Yeah, but Sean Tucker, that is easily the one for me that has lost uh, a lot of his luster. Tank Bigsby, another one. Oh, I like but, Tank, man. But, but Tank has not taken the the hit that, Tucker has in comparison to where I had them starting, but also for, for either of these guys, Tucker and tank, the, the last piece of that puzzle, I've mentioned the NFL draft. If they, if they get that draft capital that I want to see, and you know, you don't have 32 teams passing on them in the second and the third, obviously, I, you know, I don't think either of them sniff even close to the second, but you know, they're passing on them in the third round. I, I want to see somebody, step up and take them right T- tanko's beast mode man another nasty stiff arm like i, I used to always coach my running backs and say hey be the hammer not the nail he's a hammer you know a very north south runner really enjoy watching t- uh tanks Biz- bigsby's f- uh, film and, and another guy that intrigues me that we haven't talked about is rashawn johnson of texas i think he's an interesting one because he's behind Bijan. Just, you know, physical size, good hands, freshman year's a backup quarterback. He's got to be a smart dude, um, you know, and it just has burst. He's, I'm really intrigued by him. I don't know where he goes or where he lands or how it's going to look, but I'm not losing sight of him. Yeah, he's somebody that, you know, you need additional context. And I, I, 
I do think you need you need to bring in people that are are uh, more apt at watching film, and that's why the draft capital is important because you could you could sit there and say, okay, there's some film grade included here, but Roshan Johnson, he's going to be a player that certainly doesn't pop off analytically from a lot of metrics th- throughout his collegiate career because Bijan was there, and anybody's going to play second fiddle to him, and Roshan Johnson might be one of the more intriguing, you know, to an extent. Dent, and this is very it's a very loose comparison right but at tight end you have darnell washington who has those freak like and i say that with a monsoon of respect freak like traits but not much production roshan johnson i'm not saying he, he uh translates to the same level of athleticism that darnell is doing at the tight end position so please don't take it that way but he was behind Bijan Robinson. So the production is a little lacking. So he is somebody that you kind of have to have an asterisk next to when you're talking about it analytically. So Dan, you and I might be touching base here to talk about Roshan a little more in depth uh, after, well, you said you got some, some real work to do after this. Maybe not tonight, man. <laughs> Always like be that. grinding. I like the Darnell Washington comp too there as well, man. Cause there's a guy that, you know, again, there's I'm a Georgia fan and I watch the games like, Oh wow. Washington out of nowhere. But there was so many other targets and weapons and the way they use Brock Bauer, who we can't wait to draft a year, you know, a year from now, you know? So I, I think when you put the context behind it, but you look at his traits in the NFL and we'll talk about tight end in another episode. I, I think it's just good to know the context of where he was in that Georgia offense. And it's the same thing with, you know, our boy here at running back who was behind a unicorn, you know, they're, they're, that's a unique situation. All right. Are you guys okay? Cause mm-hmm. you know, only a few mm-hmm. minutes left. Are you okay with my rapid fire real quick? You're great, man. All right. So I'm just going to give you, I, I have th- through four and a half rounds. My, my tears stop at five Oh four. It's such a weird place to stop. It really is, but it's just how it fell. So, for me, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, middle of the first, first of rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Let's clarify, not NFL mm-hmm. draft. Zach Charbonnet coming in at the end of the first. Then I got A Chain Spears and Zach Evans. And these are all based on on expected draft capital as well. So that is in there. It's certainly gonna swing. Like there's so many guys that could swing because of a few picks really it's Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people say it's silly but you know it it is it is important uh and then between 207 and 306 sean tucker kendra miller tank bigsby izzy abanacanda we talked about him a lot today uh chase brown and then that's when we're looking at roshan johnson nobody's mentioned deuce vaughn he is he is so tiny. Yeah, yeah. He is tiny, <laughs> but but he produced. Yeah, you know, so it's another interesting one. Uh, Dwayne, you know, Dwayne, think, Dwayne McBride and Eric Gray are guys we didn't mention either. On, JB, hold on, hold <laughs> on. Three hundred nine to four hundred seven in twelve team super flex tight end premium leagues. Eric Gray, Keaton Mitchell, Chris Rodriguez, Dwayne McBride, and a guy that I love. And this shouldn't surprise you. I've mentioned him for a few months now in the Discord. Thomas. Jeez, oh man, no. Evan Hall out of Northwestern. 
receiving back extraordinaire, uh, probably fifth, sixth round of the NFL draft. That's why I'm looking at him in the fourth round. But I want to slam home running backs here. We talk about the depth. We talk about how quickly things can change. Evan Hall, a player that I find very intriguing once we get to that point in the draft. And then Kenny McIntosh, sorry. And then bringing up the rear, Travis Dye and Lou Nichols. Yeah, I think, you know, we in our Discord, I think our league classified in a conversation today, recruiting for a 16-team league. We're in some 14-team leagues. So, again, some of these gems that, you know, JB's identifying, boy, they have even more value than those leagues. You know, because, again, some of these guys are going to be good system running backs. They're going to get an opportunity. There's going to be an injury. Stash them. Don't lose these names. Who has who has the most to lose or gain from a value perspective, Mitch, over the next month? To gain? I'm going to say it's still Sean Tucker because of just the unknowns, what's going on. He was high. He dropped really far. But, I mean, we all love him when we watch him. I mean, he's great analytically. And I really think that if he could get decent date, if he goes, let's say, I don't even know who has to pick, pick 15 in the third round. I could easily see myself bumping him up to an early second round rookie draft pick. But there's also a great chance he goes five, fifth round, you know, at the 15th pick. And I mean, if that happens, it's just. It's sad, but like just that little bit of difference can make the world, you know, to guys like him. Well, uh, just and I, I know again, it, it does sound silly. So you're telling me if if Damian Pierce would have gone a few picks higher, he'd be completely different in, in your model and your analysis. But you look at these guys, and the value is so fragile Very in an already possible. fragile position. We're looking, at, and Michael Carter is always the easy one at this point, right? Had a solid rookie season. They bring in Brees Hall. But, you know, Michael Carter, we're going to see what they do uh, in Houston. I, I think with Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce, that's a solid one, too. You know, I don't think they really need to do much more with everything else going on there. Uh, but then Tyler Algier in Atlanta. And I kind of went, uh, my brain went here, Mitch, because you said the 15th pick in the third round. It's not the 15th pick, but 75th overall is Atlanta. So yeah. what what about a Sean Tucker, Tyler Algier Ooh, backfield? That'd be beautiful. I mean, that, that could be intriguing. So, uh, you know, uh, there's so much that's going to change. I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to share something for the final thought. Is there anything else before we hit final thoughts, guys? I would just say instead of a single guy for Mitch, a lot of these players are, you know, between pro days, team visits, a bad workout, work ethic issues, inability to pass pro or catch in these team workouts. That's why I want to be following all these news because it could really impact the difference between day two or every pick later they go in day three um, really impacts fantasy value. So I want to know what's going on on these team visits. Final thoughts. All right, we're going to mix it up. Dan, you just, you just talked. So Mitch lead us off final thoughts, 197th time. Love the chat tonight. Always appreciate everybody jumping in there. But Mitch, what do you got? Hey, I won't be on for next week's show because I'll be out. So I'm just going to say real quick for the quarterbacks, it's Stroud, Anthony Richardson, tear break, Young, tear break, tear break, tear break, a whole bunch of tear breaks, then Levis. And maybe Hennon Hooker right where Levis is, to be honest with you. I was just going to say, what about Hooker? All right, Dan, what do you got? Final thoughts. 
ordered my NFL draft cap for for the, my Cowboys. Ho- hopefully, you know, Bijan gets to wear it. If they trade up and hop on the Chargers, we'll see what happens. And just a real fast story. Took some college students on Sunday to Muhammad Ali's boxing camp, which was pretty cool. And while we were there, the, the tour guide got a phone call, and it was from Muhammad Ali's daughter. And she uh, he put her on the phone, and we all got to talk about our stories. I got to meet Muhammad Ali when I was a child. My dad threw me on his lap. And his daughter's in response to all the feedback that we gave, is like, my dad would be watching down, so proud to hear these stories today. And that's just like such mind-blowing to think she's talking about Muhammad Ali. So I just want to share that fun story. That's awesome, man. That's what people are going to say when Dan's kids talk about him in the future. They're talking about Dan Lamonti right now. No, but see, that, that's a really cool story. You're always Dan is like the most interesting man in the world. Really I don't is. leave. Yeah. I don't leave my house. I'm cleaning up vomit and other <laughs> things in my house this week. But one final thought. One final thought for everybody. We talk about it with across the board: running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends. We all have the prospects that we like, right? And we plant our flag and we all want to be early. And it really comes into play, especially in the, the campus to Canton leagues where you're, you're drafting these guys super early on or Devi leagues. But keep in mind, the NFL is going to tell us some critical information. As much as I love to get in the spreadsheets, as much as, as Dan loves to watch film, there are so many things we don't know about going on behind the scenes. Like he, Dan, you always talk about it. These interviews, uh, the, the, the visits, what if somebody was late for, you know, anything, whatever uh, somebody says something uh, that they shouldn't have in a meeting, whatever the case may be. And the NFL was going to give us that final piece of the puzzle. I think I've said that phrase 50 times tonight, but they're going to give us more information. We have to be willing to adjust. So like I said, while I love Sean Tucker, while I love Tank Bigsby, I am trying to be very open-minded and realistic about the range of outcomes here in a month away, all right? We're less than a month out from the kickoff of the NFL draft, and you have to be flexible and be willing to adjust. So when we get that new piece of information, whatever method you use, whatever analysis you like to dive into, take that into consideration. And that message right there is for me, Mitch and Dan, as much as anybody else, because take lock is a hell of a drug. And we all, we all get high on that from time to time, if you will. All right. So uh, the running back show, man, what a fun show uh, next week, Dan and I quarterbacks. Uh, I, we have like five guys we want to talk about, but I have a feeling it's going to be a really fun show and a lot, a lot to discuss uh, for Mitch Sorensen. Dan LaMagna, I'm John Bauer. We hope everybody enjoyed the show, and we'll catch you next week.